Chris Miles stepping to the mic today with my man TJ and head coach at Gonzaga of boys basketball. I always want to say men's basketball because by the time these kids are in high school, those jokers play like grown men. Uh, Steve Turner, you've had some incredible players. We could go down the list, but it'll be too long to name as far as Division One kids and and guys that have really had great careers. So just tell us where you are right now. I know COVID has shaken everything up from what you're used to. Um, As you're trying to get this, this season started, what's your predicament right now with these players? Well, just being able to be on the court with them, um, you know, I, I think the blessing is is the kids are 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 creative enough, smart enough um, to figure this out. So I mean, it's not like they're not getting workouts in. It's not like they're not getting on the court. They're just not in a situation to be able to do it together, um, based on based on the you know the phases that our that our powers to be have us in. You know, I think it's tough, especially for the WCAC, as we have a conference that has three different jurisdictions for, for, for our teams in Maryland, being in Maryland, DC and in Virginia. So Virginia right now, they're in a phase of where they can practice. So those guys at PVI and O'Connell and Ireton are having opportunities to be on the court and be with the teams and running full out practices. Maryland's a whole nother phase you got because their jurisdictions, even though they're all in the same state are different. So the math is in a phase of now coming off of potential, you know, working out to now I think they're practicing. Good Council, who's in Montgomery County, opposite of the math of being in PG County, is now going to go back a phase tomorrow at 5 p.m. So they've gone from being at 25 in the gym to now they're going to drop to 10. And so that's the same, what would it be for the Heights? And then Riken's kind of in their own different thing because they're in a different county. So, and then DC, they suspended the three of us. So we're, we're at a standstill right now. The league, the league had us as a league starting practice four days ago on the 10th. Um, and being able to start games on January the 4th. So right now we're just in limbo. Two things you said there that I need clarification on, just so I understand. When you say 10 in a gym, that's not counting players. That's counting coaches and anyone else, correct? Or is that players? That, that is correct. It's 10 people in, in a workout. And that I mean, that, coaches. that has to be extremely challenging from this perspective for those listening to this podcast. You know, you can see it in professional athletes, the drop-off and trying to understand how to play without enough practice. And certainly in college, if you watch what's happening with Duke and Coach K, he always has those guys as a well-oiled machine, and that's not the case this season. But in high school, I mean, you're still teaching hedge and recover, uh, you know, teaching guys how to be in the right position to play defense, the fundamentals. You need that time on the court. So for you, how are you trying to overcome this challenge and still teaching these kids these basic principles without being on the court? I mean, is is it video? Are you, are you talking to them every day? Like, how in the world can you get this point across? My focus really now has been on the mental health, like keeping them up with believing that we, one, have an opportunity at some point to get on, however that is. Because I, I think you have to take less emphasis on the some of the fundamentals that you normally would, would would be dealing with or wanting, you know, wanting to emphasize. And that now it's really about how can we just get on a court to help these seniors who haven't gotten scholarships yet, and then to help these juniors who this is their, this should be their year and their opportunity to shine. They should have started in the spring and summer with AAU for those guys with the team, with the colleges would have been out to see, see them having an opportunity to now say, hey, I want to be coming down to Gonzaga. I want to be coming down to DeMatha 
to watch these guys in the fall with, with their school teams. And that hasn't happened for these young men. And as, as you guys know, you're, you're hearing all the things that the NCAA is, is, is instituting because of the pandemic. So there's a lot of people who are stressed and worried because now you got everyone gets an extra year. So now that's going to hold back some scholarships from opportunities from kids. Then the NCAA is getting ready to come out with a, with a no sit transfer. So transfers now, yes, the portal's huge, but the portal was huge with, with, a, with, with opportunities where maybe, hey, kid gets a transfer, but he has to sit if he doesn't get a waiver. Now there will be no more waiver. It's a one, you get a one opportunity, it's your, it's your get out of jail free card as, as you want to say it. One opportunity, transfer and play immediately, knowing that you don't have to worry about getting any kind of waiver. I mean, my fear in that is that at some point, it's, it's going to be jokers recruiting right out of each other's programs. I, I, I think we're creating a wild, wild west in a lot of ways. And all the while, the person who's getting left behind, in my opinion, is the high school kid. I mean, I keep asking the college coaches, is the high school kid becoming extinct because of the, because of the rules and things that the NCAA is implementing to help to, to, to help the guys who are already there? Steve, there always has to be new talent coming in, a new crop. So, you know, I would venture to say that the high school, you know, kids still had some value. But to that point, what would you do differently? What would you institute given, if given the opportunity, say you were commissioner for the day, NCAA commissioner, what would you institute? I think you got to get rid of the, the whole transfer portal thing. I, I would have left it where it was before they even did what they did, because now you, you, you're giving kids an excuse and an out, you know, as we grew up, it, it was fight for what you got, get there, put, put your big boy pants on and go to work. Not, not let me see, Oh, Oh, this isn't good. So let me go run. I think we're, I think we're teaching kids and, and, and what I would say now, well, men, because they, those kids get to college, they met um, how to how to run away from things, and and that's not life. That's to me, that's not real. Like that's not what I grew up on. That's not that's not what I respect. But let me challenge you on that though. So let's let's uh, play devil's advocate for a change here for a second. So a college coach, you would say, big part of the factor of a guy, and I, I know for me when I was recruited was not only the institution. I was first and foremost. Um, because you never know what happens with coaches. But a part of that is that you want to know that the coach that you're going to be playing for has your best interest at heart. And they, he's a big part of that decision. Now, if, we, if a coach decides, you know, after your first year that he's leaving and that was a big part of a kid's decision. That's, that's, that, I, I think that's different. I, I, okay. I'm, I'm with you on that. Okay. I, there are some circumstances that transferring may be inevitable. I, I, I don't disagree with you on that. But I think right now we've created we've created a window or a portal, so to speak, that just says, "Hey, I can run and go whenever I want." Because sometimes it's not about some of these kids aren't leaving from the from the coach that that left. A lot of them are leaving because, obviously, in my opinion, they weren't as good as they thought they were and weren't weren't put into position to go to the right places. I think one of the things that we have a problem with is is that people don't tell these kids the truth. I don't think they. I think the, a lot of smoke gets blown up a lot of kids. And, and, and then you have kids who are going to levels that they don't belong at. Like there's a level I believe for, for every kid, but I think there's some kids who are going to places bigger than who they are or, or, and, and, and they're not ready for it. And then they get there and, and the challenges come and they think because of what everybody else around them tell them how great they are, now, now it's time to run. How hard is it to balance that when you have a kid in high school 
for instance, you know, let's say that there's a lot of hype around a player. You know their talent level. You want them to believe in themselves, and they get recruited by a certain school. You might go, hey, this is a better situation for you. I know you have to focus on winning and the current kids that you have, but how difficult is it to juggle that and making sure that these kids end up in the right opportunity when they go to college and trying to lead them in the right way? Well, I think it's just conversations with, with whoever that young man's circle is going to be. Um, his parents, you know, we know now that these kids got a lot of people around them, whether it be from the AAU coaches, from trainers, um, to, to just guys who are runners. Like, I think it's everyone trying to be on the same page to, to tell the truth to what's the best interest of the young man. So what I try to do immediately is have these kind of conversations directly with the people who I think matter the most, and that is their parents. Um, and let's, let's talk about what's the right fit. Um, let's, talk, let's talk about what's truly the right level. I mean, you, you, you have an idea what the level is because for the most part, if you're, if you're a level, you're getting recruited pretty hard across that board. Um, every now and then there's gonna be that, that, that bigger school that jumps in. And I just try to tell them, let's not, let's not make all choices based on names. Let's make choices based on fit and, and based on the other pieces, education. Everybody's not going to the NBA. Right. Like, like what, what, what are y'all really looking for for this when the ball stops bouncing? So let, let's take that. Let's make sure that that's a part of the equation and not just looking at solely, solely the basketball or for any sport, you know, the sport. And Chris, I think I didn't really ask, answer the question all the way that you asked me earlier. So what I'm doing with my guys right now, because we, we're stuck, is that, you know, we're doing Zooms. We're, we're having conversations deep. We've had some deep conversations especially during the pandemic because we were going through all the things that we've been dealing with, with the social justice, the presidential races. Um, so we, we're, we're trying to find ways just to stay connected um, as a group um, without being able to be on the court. You know, we are, we have been able to come down to school to do some workouts on the field, but indoors is, you know, one of the places they're saying is a tough place to be with the COVID. So I think our school has kind of leaned a little harder on let's, let's stay, let's stay, strong with what DC is saying and follow their rules. I know that it kind of hurts to not be able to be on the court, but we want to be able to make sure these kids are in school, getting their education. And thus far it's worked. I mean, literally our kids are in Zoom on Zoom today um, out of a hybrid state, finishing up, you know, starting, I should say starting final exams today and our kids will be done with the semester. And we were able to get through it without any setbacks, no closures, we we're able to keep school open. And now, Kind of creates a bubble because we go to we go to we go to to uh, to break till mid January. If we are excused by the mayor to get back on the court, now there's really only only us down there. It's not all the students. It's, it's just it'll just be this couple of sports that are indoors, and that's us and wrestling and maybe even indoor track and even indoor track. They still train outside. Did you guys have the ability to to let's go old school, Steve? You and I come from a different era, you know. When, whenever you couldn't get into a gym, there was always a, a park or uh, an outdoor court that you can go get some work in. And I'm sure guys at your level, are, you know, two or three guys are calling each other, hey, meet me up at Turkey Thicket. Let's get some old, you know, get some work in, get some shots up. You know, um, are your guys doing that right now? And were you forbade from, you know, getting 10 guys together and getting to an outdoor, outdoor court to work out? I could, I could not do it with them, but the guys are doing it. I mean, the, these, these kids want to be on the court and they want to be playing. So like I said earlier, 
they're very resourceful. They, they know how to get to places where they can have opportunities to be safe and, and work out and get trained up. And so they're continuing to do that. So that part for me is not, not, is not a fear of when I do get to get them back on the court. Certainly continuity and wanting to get us back in a space of being together and, and gelling the way you want to. But I think, again, you know, this year is, is just a totally different year. So as a coach, you have to have a different mindset. My mindset is not on chasing the WCAC championship or, or DC States anymore. Now it's how do I get these guys on court to get film against quality competition, regardless of it may not look as good as it clean as it normally would look. But, but at this point, it, it, it's about making sure that I can help fulfill their dreams. And that's going to college, using the sport to go to college. So just keep my fingers crossed, praying and hoping. And, you know, other coaches are having conversations in our 80s, are having conversations on, on how we can try to make it work for these kids. Um, but but a, a little bit of our hands are, are handcuffed because at the end of the day, it comes down to our governors and our mayors and, 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 the, and the leaders in the communities who say, hey, we feel as comfortable enough. We know we feel safe and comfortable enough for you to guys to do it under these protocols. And that's kind of where we're at and waiting for. I know it must feel great to win those Catholic League titles, but how, what is that feeling like when you watch a kid like Chris Jenkins hit the game when he shot in the national title game or Chris likes go to college and, and play well or Prentice Hub? When you see your former players and you're done, you know, coaching and you're just at home and you put your feet up and you watch them accomplish something so big, what is that feeling like as a coach when you think back, like, man, I remember seeing this kid in the seventh or eighth grade. Now he's on the national stage uh, performing so great. Chris, great, great, great question. Um, it's probably the only reason I haven't jumped off the 14th Street Bridge yet. <laughs> because, because at least college hoops has given me an opportunity to uh, enjoy the sport that I love to be a part of in coaching. I mean, it's been a blessing, like you said. Like, I like to call those guys my walking trophies. It, it's a blessing to see those guys playing at the next level, excelling, um, and, and being, 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 being and put into the opportunity to uh, contribute to some unbelievable programs. I mean, yes, you know, yesterday I got a chance to watch a couple of my guys compete against each other in the, in the Big Ten in Michigan and Penn State with Terrence Williams and Miles Dredd. And, you know, we got another DeMatha guy who's blowing up for them right now at, at Michigan. Hunter, Hunter's out there doing his thing. Um, I don't know how long Juwan will be able to keep that. <laughs> uh, but, but to be able to turn on the channel every other night and see these guys perform. You know, the other Saturday, watch Prentice Hub go into Kentucky and get a big win for Notre Dame. And again, another DeMatha guy with him and Coach Bray. So, I mean, the WCAC is shining all over the place. But for me, it definitely makes me proud to have, have, have been able to be a part of those guys that I recruited to come to Gonzaga and then to see them do the things they did while they were on I Street and now watching them to do the things that they're doing in college and, and prayerful and hopeful opportunities beyond that. Steve, you, uh, you inherited a program that, you know, that's always said you never want to follow a legend. You know, uh, Dick Myers was a legend at the WCAC. He's on that, that Mount Rushmore, Morgan Wooten, and, uh, you know, uh, coach over, uh, his name escapes Coach me. Gallagher. Coach Gallagher from St. John's. Thank you, Steve. Senior moments of getting old. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but you, 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 you better start covering that gray. Yeah, I, I got to cut it, man. At least start looking young. You know what I mean? But, you know, you you inherit a program, but Steve, you know, you defied that, that, that old adage of never following a legend, you know, because now you are taking 
Gonzaga and taking them to a national profile. You know, talk about what that challenge has been for you to move Gonzaga to give it that national profile. And, well, first, Ted, thank you for those kind words. Um, it, I mean, it, I think what I, I think what I did in the beginning, or I should say, what I know what I did in the beginning was I didn't look at it that way. Like you hear, you heard it, the whispers, hey, he's taking them for legend. Maybe he's, maybe he's just a short stint, you know, till they can find the right guy. Um, but I believed in myself. I mean, I, I, like I try to tell our players, you know, you got to bet on you, but you got to put the work in to bet on you. If you don't put the work in, you can't bet on you. And 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 I and I did my homework. You know, I I I studied underneath Coach Myers. I was blessed that even with Coach Myers, he had a guy like Paul Evans who had done it at the at a high level at Pitt and at Navy coaching the Admiral. Um, and 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 I, and I just made sure that I, I surrounded myself with people who who were like-minded in terms of being able to be successful. You know, mentors of mine like Kevin Sutton, uh, Bill Whitaker, uh, those guys are people who I was able to, to trust. And, and, and when things were tough or when I had questions, I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid to ask questions. Like I always said, I'm gonna treat. I'm gonna treat. I'm gonna treat our program like I treat my house. I'm not a plumber. I'm not an electrician. So if I gotta find somebody that can figure some of the things out that I need to know, I'm gonna go ask questions or I'm gonna seek help in those areas to make sure that I can make sure the kids' needs are met. And what I did was I just stayed in the gym. I was a gym. I was a gym rat like I was as a player. I went to colleges and watched different things to see that if there were things that I could implement. Um, and, and, and then the biggest thing was surrounding myself and the staff with people who were like-minded, but also were willing to challenge me. I didn't want to have any yes men. I, I felt like if I had that, that was probably an opportunity to set up myself for failure. Guys like Juan Hill, who was with me pretty much all the way until just a couple of years ago, Keith Beckett, you know, you look at some of the, the alum, who've come back and been, been a part of our program, a guy like Keith Ergo, who's now, you know, left on for me and went on to college, coach underneath Jay Wright, and now he's the associate head coach at Penn State. So, you know, there's, and there's so many that I could name and so many guys who are still current with me, like my staff now with Kevin Williams and, and Roger Garfield and Coach Harper, who's a Gonzaga grad. Having guys like that around me who, who every day want to see the success for the program has allowed for us to move it to another level. And then just believing, believing in the fact that we, we knew the things that we needed to do to, to, to chase that, 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 that group of y'all's over there <laughs> at the mountaintop. Um, you, you know, I mean, iron sharpens iron. I mean, people will say it all the time is, you know, they're surprised, probably people are surprised how, how good of friends me and Mike are for the fact that, you know, the math and exact, that's a robbery. That's, sure. that's, that's, that's Duke Carolina, yeah. USC, UCLA. Yeah. Um, but I think the two of us kind of walked through some of the same paths. Um, you know, him following up behind the legend, the GOAT. Um, and, and it's funny because in my time, when I started out, Mike was one of those guys who would reach out. Man, just believe in you. Do it your way. Don't, don't listen to the naysayers. Trust in who you are. You know, even and then, you know, Gonzaga in St. John's is the oldest rivalry in the league. Matter of fact, it's the oldest rivalry in the country. Mm-hmm. And to have a guy like Paul DeStefano, who at that time was at St. John's, reaching out, saying, Steve, do it your way. If you're going to go out, don't, don't go out trying to do it the way people think you should do it. Do it the way that you believe in and in, in, in trusting yourself. So to be able to have guys who I had to battle against and wanted to bash my head in on certain nights, um, also believing in me and trusting in me and, 
give me a little advice that they were given along the way, that certainly helped. Steve, you know, as I look around, you know, what's most important for me as a father of a 13-year-old who's headed to high school next year, Gonzaga is one of the schools that he's thinking about. But what's most impressive for me, as you mentioned your relationship with Mike Jones, is we have two black head coaches of prominent powerhouse high schools in a time where, you know, we've got young black men looking for people that look like them, can help them, guide them in the right direction. It's impressive to see you and Mike Jones and other coaches out there, you, you know, but I'm just speaking to, in our area, the WCAC, that are doing it and, lead, and being leaders of men. Um, it sounds like that's the main priority for you to, you know, more so than winning, you know, championships. But put that in perspective. What has that meant for you being a successful black coach leading young black men? Well, the, I mean, certainly in the climate we're living in today and, and a lot of what we've gone through in over the last six to, six to eight months, it, it probably brings it to another level in terms of what it means to me. I mean, you know, I, I, I pride myself in being a father figure to every young man that comes through our program. But, um, you know, I kind of live in it a little differently now because my own child's in the program. So, so being, being, a, being a, a, a black role model, black male role model in this sport um, and in sport in general, there's far few of us. So I feel like it, 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 it's my civic duty. <laughs> Um, to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that those players' needs are met. Um, I, I hold it as an honor to be able to be a black man in this society, being able to have the success that I've been able to have um, and, and pride myself in that because I know that's a challenge. I know there were a lot of naysayers and people who doubted me when I got that job. And I felt like not just for myself, but for our community of, of black, black males and black role models, not just black males, but black role models that I needed to be able to make sure this was going to be a success. And so that was something that always kind of set inside as a challenge for me to say, I had to succeed because I want to make sure that the generation behind me knows that this is something that they can do. You know, we, we, we want, we want our, we want our young men and women to be able to have people that they can look up to and say, I want to be like them and I want to have an opportunity to do what they do. So that was something that was always important to me, and it still is today. On the basketball side of things, you said something uh, as a native New Yorker that is very <laughs> interesting, right? When you, when you talk about the old rivalries, look, I, I tell people as a player growing up in the 90s that New York played the best basketball in the country, but here's Get what I would say here. now. Get out of here. Hey, I, I, think, I still think that's true, but that's not the case now. I will say that open uh, wholeheartedly. When I watch the WCAC now, I think it's the same, the same if not better as when you had Ron Artest, Lamar Odom, Speedy. Like teams would have those guys on one team growing up. And now I see it. I'm like, here, I'm, I go to a game and I'm like, hold on. You got the number one pick in the draft, the Markel Fultz on the floor. You got a kid, Chris Likes, who's <laughs> exceptional on the floor. And then you got a kid like Chase Young, who's now – the second overall pick in, in the draft in, in football, like sitting on the sidelines watching like, oh, I, you know, I, I'm not good enough to get in the game right now. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I see these things and I go, here's the question for you. Is the WCAC currently the best basketball conference in the country? Because when I see other teams nationally ranked, 
yeah, I see one from California or I see a bunch of kids come together and go to Oak Hill or, you know, in, in different places, but not playing in the same conference. So do the, you the, think the WCA is the best conference in the country? First of all, there is no thinking. That is a fact. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me make that clear. That is a fact. I we, agree with you. We, I agree we have, with you. We, we, are, we are the best high school conference in the country. Are there other states that have very good teams or maybe as good as good of you know, as many good teams as we have in the conference? Yes, but not in one conference. You got to remember last year, one point, ourselves, Matha, Paula Six, and St. John's were all ranked in some of the national polls in the top 25 with at least one or two other schools in those polls that go a little further in the top 50. So when you say six out of 11 teams at one point, at some point in time last year during the season with us having to knock each other off, because at the end we got to play each other twice, sometimes three, sometimes four times in a year to have that many teams nationally ranked. I think, I think that tells a tell. I think there were some years back in the day where New York was really good. But you see with New York now, the, 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 their schools are closing. And a lot of the best New York players are heading up to the New England schools and playing in prep school. So they're not even playing in their in their local high school conferences anymore. And, and you know, Chicago's always going to be good. California's pretty good. But hands down, pound for pound, it's the WCAC. It's not even close. Yeah, it's hard for me as a New Yorker to say that. But being here the past 10 years, it's, it's obvious to me, actually. Um, when you think of... So, for instance, last season, you go, okay, Hunter Dickinson, Jeremy Roach. I mean, this is every single year. Um, in almost every draft, you go, oh, there's a, a, a DMV kid. There's a WCAC kid, whether it's Victor Oladipo, Markel Fultz. I mean, just year after year. Well, Steve Turner, thank you for stepping to the mic today. We appreciate all your insight. Uh, best of health, um, you know, best grades. Best success to you going forward and your team at Gonzaga. And Chris, I appreciate you. Thanks, thanks again for having me.